the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, in our journey of Romans, we are turning a corner and entering into a new chapter, chapter 9 of Romans, and Paul's sorrow for the nation of Israel. Join us as we explore chapter 9 next. Chapter 9 of the book of Romans lays out for us a demarcation line. We go from one subject to another, and the Apostle Paul doesn't hold back. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, is where we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Gary Wagner, for today's Abounding Grace, coming to you from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. Paul's sorrow for Israel. Here's Pastor Gary. In today's program, Paul's sorrow for Israel. It has been said, and I do feel it, that on this earth you don't get much higher than Romans chapter 8. However, those heights have to be defended because there are things that would undermine our confidence in God's love and in God's sovereign providence. Chapters 9 through 11 answer something that Paul raised at the beginning of this letter. But now he has to answer and show how this is consistent with the love of Christ from which nothing can separate us. In the beginning of the letter, Paul demonstrated that the Jews were under the same condemnation as the Gentiles. Remember his blanket statement in chapter 3, verse 11, that covered both groups. There is none righteous, no, not one. In some respects, the Jews were even worse off than the Gentiles. Because even though they had the covenants, even though they had the word of God, remember what Paul said about them in chapter 2, verse 24. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So Paul is going to return now in these next three chapters to the condition of the Jews. One of the main reasons is just what he said in chapter 8 verses 35 through 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oops. Do you see a problem? You should. Wait a minute. The Jews were separated from God's love. But they were God's people. They had all these privileges that that Paul enumerates in verses 4 and 5. So weren't they loved by God? Didn't they have the covenants? Didn't they have the fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yet... They crucified the Lord of glory. And even worse, 
Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1 that they were the worst persecutors of the Lord's church. So we got a little issue here. This is a potential obstacle to the gospel. The Jews had a glorious history. God worked in the midst of time in them in, them, in the midst of time after time after time. He made promises to them. No matter what their condition was, they were obviously at one level loved by God. But they had fallen away. And if they fell away, what about us? How can we say with confidence then that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ? So three chapters, three main points. And don't worry, I'm not going to cover all those points today but in chapter 9 he does mention we need to remember God's sovereign decrees which are he shows mercy to him who will, whom he will and he hardens whom he will in chapter 10 he says the Jews never understood the gospel in chapter 11 he says but it's not hopeless because there is yet a future and God does have a glorious purpose yet to fulfill within the Jewish people. And all along, the way he will give many pertinent warnings to us. You'll hear this warning again and again and again. And it won't be from me so much as it will be from him. If the Jews who saw the glory, had the covenants, who had Elijah, if the Jews whom with God was pleased out of all the families of the earth to meet with, to show how to worship him without descending into chaos and wickedness, if they fell away, then how much ought we to guard our own hearts, lest there be in us a wicked heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. His warning in 11.21 rings very true, and you should take it very seriously, as should I. If God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also not spare you. Because you can have all the privileges you can, be born into a faithful family, you can have baptism, you can have the Lord's Supper, you can hear sermons until your ears just can't hear anymore. But if you don't hold on to Christ, those very blessings will curse you. So the warnings here are serious because his love is so great. The warnings are so serious because his love is so pure. The love that Jesus Christ has for us. So he says, listen, don't leave my love. Stay close to me. Now, the seriousness of these matters leads Paul to adopt a form of speech in verse 1 of chapter 9 that shows how serious he is. What happened to the Jews that they have rejected Christ, rejected the gospel, and become the persecutors of God's people? Notice here he says, I saw the truth in Christ. Paul says, I am speaking as a man who lives in the orbit of Jesus, and I am in union with him, and I am speaking sincerely, truly. And by the way, since Paul's personal testimony is inspired by the Holy Spirit, we can trust Paul 
and take it seriously and listen carefully to it. And he says, I speak the truth in Christ and my conscience also bears me witness. Now, if we had time, we could go to about a dozen passages in Paul's letters where he regularly brings his conscience to the forefront. Now, that's not because Paul thought, well, my conscience is the final arbiter of truth. That, of course, is not a biblical doctrine. God's word is the final arbiter of the truth. Our conscience can be very deceived about what God's word is actually teaching us. But Paul is here speaking as an apostle and speaking as a Christian man who is very aware that his conscience, as far as I can understand it, is pure and sincere before the word of God. And moreover, he adds here, in the Holy Ghost. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14. The apostles were keenly aware of the fact that the things they wrote and spoke were of divine authority, as if Jesus Christ himself was speaking. And he was. The apostles were the living voices of the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, he's kind of speaking a little tongue-in-cheek to the Corinthians who boasted so much about their wonderful spiritual gifts, let him knowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So Paul says, I'm speaking as a Christian, I'm speaking with a pure conscience, and I'm speaking as a Holy Ghost-inspired apostle. So you need to listen to what I have to say. Now, there are two important lessons we can learn from this. Since the immediate context is election and predestination, remember, and how this pertains to the Jews, when it comes to this particular doctrine, we must yield to Scripture's teaching. We have... No choice here. Men study all kinds of reasons and squirm and scream with these kind, um, when these kinds of things are, are brought up. And it is admittedly one of the most controverted passages of Scripture. And even more, if we are struck by the majesty of God and we believe it, our hearts should be overwhelmed by it, utterly struck with amazement that God would set his love Upon us. But no matter how difficult it may be to hear it, to believe it, nonetheless, the only wisdom is to yield meekly to the voice of God, to listen to what He has said, and to reject any doctrines or any teachings that undermine His authority over us. And that authority begins with our salvation. God has seen fit to reveal to us in His Word that whom he chooses to be his own, they, they will be the recipients of his mercy, and that mercy is shown to the undeserving. But he shows justice or wrath to those who deserve it, which would, of course, be all of us, without any discrimination other than his own will. So we must not enter into judgment with him or try. To be wiser than him. For if we do, we will found, we'd be found to be liars. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord or been his counselor? That's the first thing. But the second point is no less important. Whenever we handle these doctrines or any word of God, our, our hearts must be held in adoring submission to what God has said. Adoring submission. We must speak all of God's truth, only God's truth, and our conscience must be so bound to what God has said in his word that we can speak that truth lovingly, boldly, without the wrath of man trying to accomplish the righteousness of God. We must not seek to get around what God has said, even if it presses upon us. Are we living that way? When your parents say something to you, young people, and you know it's true, but you hate it, and you don't want to do it, do you say, I'm going to do it my own way? Well, then trust me, kiss the devil on his lips. If something presses us in God's word, well, maybe I'm not living my life or governing my family according to God's word. So I've got to give up what I'm doing because God has spoken. What about relationships? What about the way we talk? What about taking up offenses? We know what God's word says about those who divide with others. So we've got to be very, very careful that we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God because the only sound conscience is the conscience that is broken and humbled before Scripture, not before men, but before Scripture. That's the only sound and healthy conscience. So this is then the very way we speak the truth in Christ like Paul. He said, when we are aware and convicted that our thoughts, our words, our actions are lived before the face of God, that He is the one with whom we have to do, not the opinions of men, not their hatred. So whatever the cost, whatever the personal inconvenience, however much the world may hate us, I live by God's word alone. Everything else is sinking sand. Look around you. If you could see things from God's perspective and the perspective of the angels, what looks like buildings going up and huge technological innovation is really the slipping and the sinking of the human soul into the abyss of pride. Because let God be true and every man a liar. And if we don't build on the rock of God's word, and if that is not where our consciences are grounded, then everything else is going to sink and fall away. Now Paul adds in verse 2 a very personal reason for making this strong declaration at the outset. Because his heart was breaking. Paul was a Jew of the Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yet he saw that his people, his countrymen, had rejected their own Messiah. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He knew the scriptures. Isaiah's suffering servant had poured out his soul on the cross. He knew that the seed of Abraham and the seed of David had come. He had heard firsthand 
the testimonies. Jesus Christ came well attested by signs and wonders as you yourselves also know from Scripture. He spoke and Paul knew Pharisees who heard him speak and who said, No one has ever spoken like this. God's own voice from heaven. And Paul knew people who had heard God's voice from heaven when Jesus was transfigured and when he was baptized. Of all this, if all of this had come to this ancient people, even though they were in a period of Roman slavery, spiritual slavery, in the fullness of time, and he came unto his own, he said. And what did they do? In the words of Jesus' parable, they said, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. How could Paul's heart not be broken? The Lord had saved him, and he had saved many of the Jews, but the majority of them and their leaders still endured an incredible unbelief. So you can imagine, Paul, every time he goes to the synagogues in the various Gentile cities that he goes to preach in, every time he goes to Jerusalem, the house of the Lord where Jesus rode in was proclaimed Hosea's king right in the front of everyone. And what does he see? He sees hard faces reflecting hard hearts. And he knows when he walks out the door, Hard blows were coming his way because the Son of God came unto his own people according to the flesh and they rejected him. So Paul's heart was more than just broken. Look at verse 3 and pay close attention to it. His feelings were far deeper than grief. He said, I could wish that I was accursed from Christ rather than my own countrymen so that they might be saved. Now, the word here, accursed in Greek, is anathema. It is the same word used in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Joshua for harem, H-A-R-A-M in Hebrew, which means to put under the ban of God's judgment, to devote themselves to destruction. Remember the Canaanite cities? God told the armies of Israel justly, When you go into these lands and these huge cities, knock them down, burn everything, destroy man, woman, and child. I am dedicating this whole area to destruction. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think of the flood with Noah. We don't like these kinds of things. But scripture is filled with the God whom we will see later in Romans 9 has all the power over the clay to do with what he will. And God says, I want all these cities destroyed. I do not want any survivors. This is the idea in our text. You might ask, can he do that? He can do with us what he wills. And whatever he will do with us is wise and it is good. Because he is the one who does it. And if we don't want to go that far, then we can't go where Job went, can we? Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. You see, this is what Paul means here. Paul says, my own personal salvation, as we call it today, a phrase 
which is actually never used in the Bible, as if salvation were our own personal little thing, and then we can form it and mold it like we want it to. No, salvation is always God's salvation. But Paul says that is totally secondary to the honor of God in saving his old people. So if God could, would save them, he says, I would be willing to be accursed, to be put under the ban, to be eternally lost, to be destroyed. Now you may be asking, can he wish that? Is that even commendable? Well, he can, and it was commendable. The form of the verb here indicates that Paul knew that there was a condition that would prevent the wish from being realized. It's like, for example, if on my birthday, I wish for John Wayne to show up on my driveway riding a white horse. We know that's a silly wish. Why? Because there is a condition that absolutely prevents that, and that is that John Wayne is no longer alive. And it's like men who spend their whole life looking for that perfect 10. And there, a negative 25. It's not just, it's just not going to happen. So Paul knew, my name cannot be blotted out of the book of life. But he is expressing sincerely in the strongest possible language, Lord, save your people. Save my countrymen. You know their past. And if blotting me out would save them, would you do it? There are two reasons we know that what he said here was commendable. One of them is in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses did the same thing. He prayed in the same way as Paul. You know, it's kind of funny how Scripture has a way of Loose ends getting tied up in other places. So here we find Moses has been up on the mountain receiving the law. And what were the people doing in the valley? They were holding prayer meetings, right? No, they were definitely not holding prayer meetings. Aaron was something of a weak man. And so overwhelmed by the pressure of the rabble that came out of Egypt, he makes a golden calf, and was leading wild bell worship with all of its frenzy and debauchery and immorality right down at the foot of the mountain where God was to be worshipped. You may ask, how is that even possible? I wonder if any of us are countenancing or seeing as acceptable those things like pornography, unholy relationships, bad thoughts, gossip in our hearts. Well, it is the same. God meets with people, and we are down here in the valley nurturing our sins and holding on to them as much as we can. So what, God, what did God say he was going to do? Moses, stand back. I'm going to wipe them out. You're going to wipe out 3 million, 4 million, 6 million people? You're going to wipe out the seed of Abraham? The Lord says, Moses, I'll make a new people out of you. Look at Exodus 32, 27. Moses told the Levites to gird on their swords, those who are on the Lord's side. 
now verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made me a god of gold. You know, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses said, Lord, if you can't forgive them, just blot me out too. Now, he's not being impious here. He's not challenging God. He's just identifying himself with his people and saying, My lot is their lot. I know they have sinned this great sin. Would you please blot it out? And if not, put me under the same curse too. Just blot me out as well. Now Moses and Paul, to appreciate their prayers here, we have got to have a heart like theirs, don't we? that loves the glory of God and the salvation of sinners and longs for God to save the lost, the rebellious, the wicked, and especially those of their own earthly families. But of course, as pious and godly as Moses and Paul were, these desires come to their full expression only in Jesus Christ. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.